Welcome to the Holmesville Church of the Brethren. This is the worship service for April 23rd, 2023. It is the season of Easter. Our meditation is on the back of the bulletin, and I will read that to you. It is by Jan Fisher Bachman from Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. Every spring and fall, monarch butterflies pass through my home state of Oklahoma. In 2019, so many flew together that the migration showed up on weather radar images. The central U.S. population of monarch butterflies has declined in number by more than 80% from the 1990s. However, 2021 registered a substantial uptick possibly in part because many individuals, schools, and businesses created garden spaces to support the tiny flyers. In these gardens, people plant colorful flowers and milkweed and reduce or eliminate the use of pesticides and herbicides. Why do flower colors matter? Butterflies have poor distance vision, but their specialized light-sensing cells enable them to perceive many hues indicating potential food. As followers of Jesus, we have been born anew, like butterflies rising from the confines of chrysalises. What nourishing spaces could support this new life? How does Jesus enable us to see the world differently? In a society that values money, possessions, and appearance, what gardens could we plant? How could we increase beauty and sweetness in the world? What poisons threaten new and long-time believers? How could we stop spreading these, and what antidotes could we offer? God of Resurrection, thank you for the miracle of new wings and ways of being. Help us create beauty and color to nourish new life in those around us. Teach us to turn aside from poisons that might seem practical and beneficial, but end up causing harm. Give us patience to pause and perceive the world in more of the dimensions and depths that you do. In Jesus' name, may it be so. Join in our call to worship. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. This is the day that the stone is cast aside and the mantle of darkness is torn away. God has swallowed up death forever and brushed our tears away. This is the day of salvation. Be glad and rejoice. The Lord of light has come and reigns forever. Christ is risen. Christ is risen indeed. Alleluia. Alleluia.
God, we recognize you in our midst. Help us to feel your presence here and in our daily living. Amen. from the new book, The Lives We Actually Have, 100 Blessings for Imperfect Days, by Kate Bowler and Jessica Ritchie. Lord, here I am. How strange it is that some days feel like hurricanes and others like glassy seas and others like nothing much at all. Today is a cosmic shrug. My day planner says rather conveniently that I will not need you, cry for you, reach for you. Ordinarily, I might not think of you at all, except 
If you don't mind, let me notice you. Show up in the small necessities and everyday graces. God, be bread, be water, be laundry. Be the coffee cup in my hands and the reason to calm down in traffic. Be the gentler tone in my insistence today that people pick up after themselves for once. Be the reason I feel loved when I catch my own reflection or feel myself loathing, fluttering in my stomach. Calm my mind, lift my spirit, make this dumb, ordinary day my prayer of thanks. Amen. Our scripture today is Luke 24, 13-35. Now on that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, and talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing, Jesus himself came near and went with them, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, What are you discussing with each other while you walk along? They stood still, looking sad. Then one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answered him, Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem who does not know the things that have taken place there in these days? He asked them, What things? They replied, The things about Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and leaders handed him over to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things took place. Moreover, some women of our group astounded us. They were at the tomb early this morning, and when they did not find his body there, they came back and told us that they had indeed seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see him. Then he said to them, Oh, how foolish you are, and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have declared. Was it not necessary that the Messiah should suffer these things and then enter into his glory? Then, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them the things about himself in all the scriptures. As they came near the village to which they were going, he walked ahead as if he were going on, but they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, because it is almost evening, and the day is now nearly over. So he went in to stay with them. While he was at the table with them, he took bread, blessed and broke it, and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, Were not our hearts burning within us while he was talking to us on the road, while he was opening the scriptures to us? That same hour they got up and returned to Jerusalem, and they found the eleven and their companions gathered together. They recognized him, 
in the breaking of the bread. The two men walking along the road to Emmaus were not doing anything extraordinary. In fact, they were doing just what might be expected. They had visited Jerusalem for the high holy days of Passover, and they were probably just now walking home. In those days and in that place, walking was how a person got from one place to another. And of course, while two people are walking, they will talk. And it was only natural that they would share with one another the events of the past weekend. It was only natural that they would air their feelings about what to them was a great tragedy. And it was not unusual that someone else might be on that road with them. It would not have been unusual for the stranger, for that was whom they thought this was, to join them on the road, nor would it have been unusual for him to ask them what they had been discussing with so much feeling as they walked along. Now, it has been said that since they were heading west into the glare of the setting sun, their eyes were kept from recognizing Jesus. That is a thought. The Bible also tells us that they were sad One version says that their faces were twisted with grief. Perhaps their eyes were full of tears as Mary's were when she presumed Jesus to be the gardener. And of course, they would not have expected Jesus, whom they knew to be dead, to catch up to them on the road. However it happened that they did not recognize Jesus, they did not. They walked along and they talked along the way. Nothing unusual about that. But Jesus did come to them. Even in whatever disguise, however unrecognized, he came to them on that dusty little byway. We know now that the day was Easter. As Thomas Long puts it, it was the first day of the new creation, the day God shattered the chains of evil and broke the icy grip of death by raising Jesus from the tomb. It was the very day that human history shifted on its axis. On this day, every valley has been lifted up, every mountain has been made low, and the great highway of redemption has appeared in the wilderness of human brokenness. But to those two disciples on the road to Emmaus, it was just another day. Just another sad, dispiriting day when their hopes had been dashed because their master was dead. We had hoped, they said, that he was the one who would redeem Israel. They had such hopes, hopes that Jesus was the one who would redeem Israel, and now those hopes were dead. But Jesus came to them on the road. Jesus came to them in that nowhere place. Jesus himself drew up alongside them, And Jesus would not let them continue to grieve as they had been doing. Jesus did as Jesus had always done before. He taught them. He made sense of things for them. 
In his great compassion, Jesus would not let them wallow in their grief and disappointment. And in Jesus' great courtesy, he would not overstay his welcome. When they arrived at the place where they were staying, he made to move on until they urged him to stay. And there, in that humble dwelling, in the most ordinary of circumstances, they handed him the bread and offered him the courtesy of performing the blessing. And somehow, in that ordinary act, their eyes were opened. Perhaps they had been with Jesus at the feeding of the five thousand. Perhaps they had been with him as he broke bread in the home of Mary and Martha. But somehow in that motion of his hands, that very ordinary act became a revelation. And they knew him in the breaking of the bread. Brothers and sisters, if we are waiting for the mountaintop experience, if we are looking for the burning bush to experience the divine, we are looking in the wrong places. Because Jesus will come to us in our most ordinary moments. Little children know this. But somehow in our sophistication and maturity, we forget that Jesus is in the everyday. Robert Coles, a child psychologist whose work was vital to the Supreme Court case Brown v. Board of Education, also studied the spiritual lives of children. In his book, The Spiritual Life of Children, Cole tells the story of Ginny, a young girl from a poor family who is bright, imaginative, and has a keenly developed spirituality. Ginny recounts how her uncle, who was wounded in Vietnam, is still nervous and upset, prone to frequent crying, and she wonders how God must have felt during the violence of that war. If my uncle cries now, she reflects, God must have cried too. He must have wept, don't you think? One day, Ginny was walking home and met an elderly woman who seemed lost and confused. Ginny asked the woman if she needed help. The woman, with relief, responded, If you could, that would be wonderful. Ginny discovered that the woman had been walking to visit her daughter but had gotten lost. She showed Ginny the written directions she had, and Ginny knew immediately where she had gotten lost and where she needed to go. Although it made Ginny late in getting home, she sensed that getting this troubled stranger to her destination was the task she most needed to be doing. So she guided her to her daughter's house. When they had arrived, Ginny started to leave, but the woman grasped Ginny's arm and told her that God had sent Ginny to her. Later, she told Jenny she would thank God for sending Jenny to help her. On her way home, Jenny wondered what it would be like to be old. She wondered if she were old and in need, if God would send some kid like her to help. Maybe God puts you here, Jenny thought, and gives you hints of what's ahead 
and you should pay attention to them because that's him speaking to you. Brothers and sisters, Jesus comes to us now as he did then. Jesus came to the woman at the well in the middle of her daily chores. He came to Matthew, the tax collector, at his table. He called Peter and Andrew from their fishing nets. He came to Mary and Martha in their grief at Lazarus' tomb. Jesus comes to us in the same way, driving down the road, visiting a co-worker, or having coffee with a friend. Jesus walks with us along the way. Pray that we, too, will recognize him in the breaking of the bread. Let us pray. O God, we thank you that you walk alongside us on our road. Help us to recognize you in the ordinary events of our everyday lives. We praise you for your abiding presence. In Jesus' name, amen. Receive the benediction. Brothers and sisters, may we look for Jesus to walk beside us in the way. May we listen for his gentle whispers to guide us. May we feel his loving hand leading the way. And may we always, always know him in the breaking of the bread. Amen.